Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, as always, and the recruiting boys are back here on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. I'm joined tonight by Zach Hubbard, and we are here to break down yet another commitment for the Tar Heels and yet another commitment from the state of Virginia for the team as well. Now, it is their first commitment from the state in a while. Carolina got their first three commits from the state of Virginia, but haven't gone back there since. They finally dipped their toe back into the Tidewater uh, area, the, the uh, state of Virginia, to get a big-time target for the team in uh, three-star defensive end, three-star edge rusher uh, Bryson Jennings, and uh, we're here to break down his commitment. Also, a couple of big-name guys that the Tar Heels are uh, looking to add to their class as well. Some big-time targets that were on campus for official visits in the month of June will also be making their decisions later on this week uh, over the weekend. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But you know, first let, let's talk a little bit about Bryson Jennings, and uh, you know, this is. Uh, a position where we, you know, kind of were wondering if Carolina was done uh, at the position or not. We knew they still had Bryson Jennings as a target, but uh, Carolina definitely has made the edge rusher position a focus of this class, and it makes a little bit of a, a bit of sense with both Tamon Fox and Tyrone Hopper leaving after the season. It's still an area where they probably need to build some depth, but uh, this is a spot that they've hit really hard in this recruiting class, Zach. 
back, and it feels like uh, they've got another good one coming in uh, on the edge from the state of Virginia in Bryson Jennings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as we've discussed in previous podcasts, we knew that uh, outside linebacker or the edge position was going to be a priority in the 2022 class. Uh, didn't necessarily know if it was going to be two or three, though we did think it was going to be uh, multiple commitments. But here today, we do see they are taking the full three commitments at the position in this class, um, adding Bryson to uh, Malachi Hamrick and Bo Atkinson that we've already seen commit. Um, so like you mentioned, a position that with the guys that they're looking to have leave after 2021, a position that they wanted to add uh, not only uh, emerging talent, not only talent that can you know step up immediately, but talent for the future talent that can come in and gain weight and develop. And I think that uh, Bryson Jennings kind of, kind of fits a, um, a, you know, a, a sort of a niche between those two, um, just from an overall athletic perspective, like you mentioned, uh, another player out of Virginia, so an area that the Tar Heels um, have been, um, you know, heavily in under the Matt Brown regime. Um, just looking at his measurables, that's really one of the main things that sticks out to me. Listed at 6'6", uh, 235. What a good frame that can add weight. So, you know, he could get up to the 250, 260, even above that range. Maybe not into true defensive end range, but, you know, he can add some weight to that frame. He can be, you know, a, a well-built player. Uh, but like I mentioned, that length, 6'6", six, six, long arms, that's really his main strength at the high school level right now is just his physical size. He's longer than the guys he's going up against. He can use that to advantage. He can create leverage to get around offensive linemen and get towards the quarterback. Does have a nice swim move. Um, at the high school level right now, you would want to see, um, or it, I should say it's understandable that there's not this repertoire of pass rush moves as of yet. There's really just a few so far. So I think he is a guy that will need to get into the system likely. We'll use that first year to gain weight, to gain some more of those pass rushing abilities. But, you know, similar to guys that we've seen in the past, um, maybe not at the same level, but just in the sense of, you know, athletic builds. You talk about a guy like Desmond Evans that we talked about. Uh, might not, uh, Bryson might not have that same level of explosiveness, but just that length, that size, that frame, that's what you can't teach. Um and, you know, to have that, to have that addition um, really does add, you know, another piece to this outside linebacker edge room and really gives them another option down the line in upcoming seasons. I think he's really the perfect fit for what Carolina was kind of still needing maybe at the position uh, in their minds for this class. You know, you you got a guy in Malachi Hamrick who I think, you know, people are still trying to figure out exactly what type of pass rusher he's going to be. Um, you know, probably looks to project as a guy that will have to win with speed off the edge, but he's a guy that, I mean, you're talking about Bryson Jennings being a little undersized. Malachi Hamrick is going to have to add a lot of weight. Now, there's a lot of talent there, but he's a guy that's going to have to add a ton of weight. I mean, when he committed to Carolina, he was in you know the mid two tens in terms of weight. So uh, there's you know he he's a much smaller guy. You've got the bigger guy, the more physical guy. You know, we've talked about it: high motor, high energy guy, and Bo Atkinson that committed as an edge rusher just recently. And now you're getting a guy in Bryson Jennings 
too. As you mentioned, he's got the length off the edge. The thing I really like about him when I watched his film is he plays with a ton of speed. And it shouldn't shock you because if you look at his profile on on Twitter or you look at his huddle profile, uh, this guy runs in the mid to low four fives as a defensive end. That's, I mean, look, even in this era where you've got some of these more athletic defensive players all over the ball, that is really impressive. And when you turn on his film, you know, those numbers aren't official, but you can tell that he plays with very good game speed, especially for a defensive end. And, you know, that puts a little bit of pressure on, uh, you know, guys that are going up against him, especially some of those offensive linemen, uh, even some of the quicker ones, because you've got a guy that has, you know, outside linebacker type speed, safety type speed at times off the edge that can beat you. And you combine that with the length. As you mentioned, I, I like some of the things that I've seen from him with some of the moves that he's used. I think one of the things that, you know, he he is going to have to sort of improve on is, like you said, the use of some of those swim moves, the use of maybe some of his physicality and everything like that. Because, you know, there are times in at, at the high school level where he's simply just too fast for guys to stay in front of. And, you know, it's a credit to him because another thing that's really good about his game is he's got a really quick release off the line of scrimmage. It allows him to put himself in a good spot early in, uh, you know, the pass rushing rep. But at the same time, I, I do think that, um, you there, there will still be some areas where uh, you know he may have to fine tune his game. There'll be some you know little intricacies and and some of the uh, you know finesse stuff that he will have to work on because uh, it, you're going up against guys that are going to be on your same athletic standing. So we'll, we'll see. I, I definitely think that uh, you know that there's it's going to be something that he's going to work on when he gets there. But I mean to have that type of raw speed, that raw talent that he's got and I think the best thing about it is is when you watched him on the edge you know one of the areas where Carolina's had some struggles over the last couple of years uh, has been you know with guys like Tamon Fox and and Tyrone Hopper there are times where they simply just get washed out of the run game uh, this guy is not going to have that problem especially if he can put on the weight and add a little bit of strength uh, because he, he's a guy that's got the speed to be able to cover sideline to sideline as a as an edge rusher. That's not something you typically hear from edge guys, but he is a guy that will not get beat around the edge if he is out in space with a running back. He has the speed to keep up with those guys, and he's going to be a big helper in the run game. So uh, there, there is a ton of, to like about him. You know, a couple other things that of note about him. Uh, of course, you know, look at him as as a prospect. He's a three star prospect. Uh, you know, on. That borderline of being one of those guys where if enough things go right his senior year, he could probably end up becoming a composite four-star. Uh, this is one of those rare ones where Rivals is a little bit higher than him on uh, in, in terms of him as a prospect than 24-7 sports. Um, number 21 edge rusher in the 2022 class, number 13 player from the state of Virginia. So Carolina, you know, not only going into the state of Virginia, but going into the state of Virginia and getting some big-name recruits out of there. And, of course, they've still got some big-time targets that are coming out of the state as well. But, um, you know, in terms of Carolina, you know, on on the defensive line, I think one of the things that you've got to talk about with this is, you know, looking at this group over the last couple of years – 
it feels like this is the area where Carolina's really focused the most on trying to consistently add these guys in this class. We're seeing it yet again here, Zach, that right now Carolina has put a lot of focus on this defensive line edge rusher group in this class. Is this the group that you feel like has improved the most under Mac Brown since he has gotten to Carolina in terms of the guys that he's been able to land on the recruiting trail? I think so, absolutely, just in terms of the raw talent that he's brought in, um, especially when you compare it to um, you know the talent that was brought in in the years prior. Obviously, there were good players in both the um, you know the edge and defensive line groups in the past few years prior uh, to Matt Brown joining the staff, but there was a criticism or a constant criticism either that you know that group across the line either could not generate pressure on the quarterback, uh, could not contain, um, you know, running plays. There were questions regarding, you know, stopping the run on defense. And, you know, there's still a little bit of that at this time. Even the current roster has had some of those criticisms regarding generating pressure on the quarterback, containing a running quarterback, definitely, and yes. stopping, you know, running plays in the backfield. So I think just this continued addition of talent will help improve that over the next few years. When you look at, um, you know, specifically in comparison to the NFL and the NFL draft, there's about six positions that they look at what they deem to be premium positions. Most mm-hmm. people deem the NFL to be a passing league, so they look at what are the what are the six positions that either are going to help you succeed in passing the football or are going to help limit passing. It's quarterback, wide receiver, and offensive tackle on the offensive side, and then on the defensive side, edge rusher, interior defensive tackle, especially if they can rush the passer, and outside corner. So when you look at sort of that framework, who are the guys on the defensive side that are going to help limit that? We've, you've got, you know, cornerback defensive back nailed down. Obviously, we've seen Trey Bly go get guys such as Storm Duck. Obviously, true freshman this past year going into the true sophomore season, Tony Grimes. Um, and then, you know, re- recruiting quite a few uh, additional um, high caliber players this current cycle in. Dalen Everett and Jaden Lucas, but then on that defensive line uh, and at the edge position, you've seen a ton of guys. Names like Miles Murphy, names like uh, Keyshawn Silver, Javari Ridley, Kedrick Bingley Jones, Desmond Evans, Heyman Rucker, all of those names. They're trying to build this team, build this defense out at sort of those premier positions. And I think that, you know, with that approach in mind, you can see that pay dividends in the future. I think, yeah, you can definitely see that the, the talent level has risen. And I mean, the main thing, and, and one of the biggest issues, I think, late under Larry Fedora was even, as you mentioned, there were some talented guys on the defensive line, guys like Jason Strobridge and Darren Crawford, who, you know, thrived under both coaches. But the main thing that Carolina has added is the depth and the competitive depth. I mean, we're talking about three guys in this class. Um, and if you look at the group that they're bringing in, you would probably say to yourself, okay, if we're just going off a star rating, then Bryson Jennings might be the odd man out. But 
as we've seen, uh, it, it doesn't matter about the star ratings. Carolina wants to get all these guys in there and let them prove themselves on the field. And with the transfer portal, I think it also kind of allows you to do that because if guys end up, you know, not liking the role that they're in, Mac Brown talked a lot about, you know, sitting down with the players after the spring and kind of telling them, look, this is the role that you're in. Uh, is this the role that you want to be in, or do you feel like you can go somewhere else and have a better, have a bigger role? If you do, we'll help you get there. If not, then we're glad to have you as a part of the team and allow you to keep competing. And I think that's what they're doing now that they weren't able to do under Larry Fedora. And to be honest with you, I don't know even if Larry had stayed to this point if they would have been able to build that up even during the transfer portal era. But I, I think now you're starting to see a group come together and the, the offensive and defensive lines are the areas that we've talked about the most um, You know, in, in some of the other editions of the podcast when we've talked about how Carolina gets to the point of being able to compete to get into the college football playoff, to win the ACC if they want to take down Clemson. Uh, they've got to be able to get it done in the trenches. And right now, this constant building down there is really getting them to a point where it feels like it's ahead of schedule. You would think at this point, if they keep adding this type of talent down there within the next probably two, three years at the max, they're going to have a group that is ready to consistently compete with the type of talent that they are going to face Week in and week out in the ACC for sure, but definitely in some of those games that they're playing against national contenders. So let's turn, look at the guys that are going to announce this weekend. Uh, We'll start with the guy that's probably the lesser talked about of the two, and that is uh, the three-star tight end out of the state of Nebraska. Uh, He's a guy that was on campus for Carolina uh, just uh, in the middle of the month of June. That is tight end Caden uh, Caden Helms, uh, you know, a guy that I think a lot of Tar Heel fans would like just looking at uh, his playing style. He's another one of those those receiving tight ends, and I think that's one of the things that people have really been trying to add to this offense. We talked about it a little when we were previewing this upcoming season's group of tight ends on the podcast, me and Josh, the other day. I think one of the big things is that Carolina really wants these guys that uh, are going to be able to help them a lot in the run game. And uh, I, I think that, you know, Caden Helms is a guy that probably would have no problem doing that. Uh, but he's a guy that can catch the ball and, and be a, a consistent receiver for you. There's a lot of things to like about him. Carolina has been one of those teams that's been pretty interesting in his recruitment. He was one of those guys that when he took the visits, he was somewhat reactionary. Uh, felt like, you know, after the visit to Miami, a lot of people thought that Miami could be the biggest challenger to longtime favorite Oklahoma. Uh, there was some thought with Arizona State. I'm not really sure about that. Um, I think at this point, when it comes to guys that have Arizona State on their list, it's there, there are guys that are still going to commit there. But it is worth noting that they are going to be going through, you know, potentially some penalties from the NCAA. Uh, I believe they're already uh, ineligible for a bowl game next year. Uh, that I, I know they're in some issues. They're having some issues with the NCAA under Herm Edwards there. So uh, I don't know how 
serious of a contender they are. But it feels like Carolina has themselves in this battle. It's just a question now of whether or not uh, they can overtake Oklahoma. What do you think about Caden Helms? Do you think that he's a guy that uh, Carolina should have as a high priority on their list with the uh, guys that they currently have at tight end? And do you think that it, it, it seems like Carolina's in a good spot for him? Yeah, so to answer your first question in terms of what the what should the Tar Heels pursuit be, um, I think with the guys that they have on the roster and with the position not being one where we see a lot of two tight end sets, not a lot of you know heavy tight end passing concepts, it's not a position that you're going to stack a ton of bodies at. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they have, going into the 2021 season, obviously they have five on the roster, four of which are redshirt sophomore or younger. So it's a young position room. It's one that's going to have that sort of depth continuously. So obviously they are recruiting uh, Caden Helms. They are recruiting him strongly. Um, but I don't think it's a position of you know great need where they're, if they don't get him, they're going to search through a ton of other names because they absolutely have to take a tight end. I don't think that's the case. In terms of the actual recruitment, I do think that the Tar Heels are in the top two. I think that they've supplanted schools like um, Arizona State, sort of as you mentioned, but Oklahoma's right there. Mm-hmm. And it's probably the biggest challenger in this recruitment. Uh, most uh, sources that you see, most recruiting outlets would have Oklahoma as the leader, would have Oklahoma as the likely pick going into his commitment as a Midwestern guy. Obviously, there's a little bit more of a geographic connection to Oklahoma. Oklahoma is, you know, one of the top programs in the country. They recruit nationally. They've been to multiple playoffs. Um, so there's a lot going in Oklahoma's favor, but it does seem, as you mentioned, uh, that Caden did have a great visit there, North Carolina. They, you know, were able to get him on campus, did a great job recruiting him, which is, you know, he's a little bit outside of that recruiting footprint. So obviously, very nice to see that, but. It does seem that going into this announcement, Oklahoma does look to be the pick. Unless something changes or there's been misinformation, uh, it does look like Oklahoma won't be the likely choice on Saturday. Yeah, and I mean, you look at some of the recent forecasts from the different websites. Uh, you know, there are really there, there are right now only three recent ball re- recent crystal ball picks, but uh, all of them have gone in favor of Oklahoma, and those come in the month of July as well. So uh, you're talking about after all of the visits are wrapped up, everything like that. I think that's kind of the point that everybody is at. You know, there were some teams that definitely made a push late, but it feels like Oklahoma just established a little too much room between them and everybody else. I mean, it, it's definitely worth noting that it seems like him and Connor Harrell have a pretty decent relationship. Um, I mean, look, I don't really know how that, that came about, to be honest with you, because one guy's from the state of Nebraska, the other guy is from the state of Alabama. But uh, it seems like, you know, after... Connor Harrell's commitment. Uh, he and Caden Helms uh, interacted a little bit on social media, and 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 Harrell seemed, you know, like he was one of the guys that was kind of pushing him to, you know, consider Carolina uh, strongly when he ends up making his choice. But yeah, I think you're right. I think that uh, this is one of those ones where Carolina misses. It's not really uh, one where you're going to be saying, well, they've got to find a way to scramble and land somebody else in this class. I think honestly, it's one of those ones where Carolina 
will take the commitment for sure because he's a guy that's just too talented to turn away the commitment. He's another one of those guys that uh, he's a three-star. Um, you know, he's rated as the number 15 tight end in the country, but he's another one that he could easily become a four-star. He could easily move up uh, you know, in, in those tight end rankings as the year goes along and as he gets a little bit more exposure in his senior year uh, out in Nebraska. So uh, I think that th- this is one that Carolina fans will keep an eye on but probably won't be as focused on as the other commitment. Now, this one... This has been a little bit of a roller coaster here over the last couple of days, and uh, it's you know it's a big one because Carolina felt like coming into the month of June was the leader in the recruitment, but it, you couldn't really get a great read, and that's the four-star cornerback, high-end four-star cornerback, borderline five-star cornerback, Dalen Everett from IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. Of course, originally went to Norview High School in the state of Virginia, right in that Tidewater area. He ended up transferring to IMG Academy before his junior season last year, and uh, Carolina was uh, has been a big factor for a long time in his recruitment, but there there is another team that has really made a push here late. They've made uh, really up really good ground with him, in large part due to their recruiting of one of his teammates over there as well uh, from IMG Academy, and that is the Clemson Tigers. Heading into this this commitment, I think there's a lot of uncertainty really on both sides, but it feels like at this moment uh, that unfortunately for Carolina, Clemson is the one that uh, seems to be receiving a, a lot of the good vibes while Carolina is starting to receive some of those concerning vibes uh, from Dalen Everett and uh, every uh, source around him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, once we've really gotten into this period where an announcement date has been set, it's really been more of a battle uh, in terms of this recruitment. It's really a situation in which, you know, all of the information seems to suggest that, um, you know, Dalen is going into this sort of with a clean slate, giving everyone equal opportunity to recruit him. As we've discussed, North Carolina and Clemson have been on him for a good while, um, originally from the Tidewater area, transferred down to IMG Academy in Brailton, Florida. Um, so within the Tidewater area, obviously North Carolina is going to be a factor there, but Clemson also has recruited him well. It's going in North Carolina's favor, as we've mentioned. Uh, it's a little bit closer to home. does have a brother that um, either committed to Elon or transferred to Elon. I'm not sure exactly, but is at Elon now. Uh, so... If he goes to North Carolina, family would be close. His brother would be close. There's a lot geographically that's going in North Carolina's favor. But again, as we've seen multiple times through the past few classes, it's a recruitment against Clemson. Clemson's a team that goes to the playoff almost every year. Clemson's a team that has you know top draft picks. And sort of to add a wrinkle in there, they have um, you know a commitment from an IMG guy already, an edge defender. Jihad Campbell. They have another one that they look likely to get in sort of a you know five star safety linebacker, uh, Keon Saab. So there's a lot in Florida at IMG Academy uh, that's really leaning itself more towards Clemson than it is North Carolina. I think that there is information. You know, there, there, as you mentioned, there is positive momentum 
Um, coming from both Clemson and North Carolina, it's not confidently North Carolina. I don't think that it is definitively Clemson as of yet. As of today, I would, unless I hear something different, I would still lean North Carolina as the choice. Most of the information I've gotten has still leaned there as the likely selection, just not the confident selection. Um, so I think it is still one to watch. It's not a foregone conclusion at this point, but it's a battle still. It's going to be a battle all the way up until he announces, I feel. That's the case with players of this caliber, with players within the top 50 that are courted by you know multiple staffs all over the country that are making a real decision here. That's going to be the case. But I, I still am going to be optimistic, at least at this point, until I hear something definitively different. I'm going to go with North Carolina here for Dalen Ever. This is one of those recruitments where it feels like, uh, I I mean, even a couple hours before he commits, uh, he may not know exactly where he's going. Um, That's, I think, the point that it's it's gotten to. I mean, to be honest with you, it's not really that shocking because we didn't really hear a lot about um, him when, you know, he he was going through his visits. Like, there wasn't a definitive leader that was standing out for him where usually, even with some of these guys that like to keep things, you know, kind of on the down low, they don't like really, uh, you know, being active on social media. They don't do a ton of interviews. Usually, they have one or two guys that they talk to enough to where you can get a buy from them, something leaks out, and you start getting a feel of, okay, this team is the one that is leading in this recruitment. Even though Carolina felt like they were the leader here, there was never really any concrete information that said they are definitely leading heading into the month. That was just kind of the feel that you got from it based on you know his visits, uh, the connections that uh, he had talked about a little bit with Dre Bly, but uh, yeah, I think going into this one, it, I, even some of the mo- more recent predictions are rather sp- rather split. Carolina owns the only crystal ball prediction on 24-7 sports. Uh, that was cast uh, exactly a week ago from when we are recording this. Um and you know that one went in Carolina's favor. You go over to Rivals.com. They had two that were posted yesterday, and interestingly enough, one went for to Carolina, the other one went to Clemson. So I think at this point, everything's kind of still up in the air. You wonder if this is one sort of similar to a guy that we, you know we would probably remember last year <laughs> originally uh, from the state of Virginia. He actually played all of his high school football in Virginia, but in George Wilson, the third, a guy that we, you know, most people probably remember him. Um, and he was a guy that it went up until the night before, and that's when all of a sudden you got this feel that, uh, you know, another guy that hadn't released much, Carolina was seen as the favorite, but wasn't a known favorite, and he ends up all of a sudden, you know, basically overnight being flipped on a lot of crystal ball predictions to South Carolina. You wonder if this is going to be similar with Dalen Everett one way or another where it's going to take until the night before or even early on Saturday morning before you really know exactly where he is going. Now, his commitment is going to be, uh, it's a set time, uh, and he's going to be on uh, CBS Sports HQ. That's going to be at 5 
p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, not too far after that, it's going to be at 7.20 here on the East Coast, 6.20 his time. That's when Caden Helms will come in, and we'll have you covered either, you know, whatever way these recruitments go. Um, really quickly, one other thing that I think is interesting to talk about when you talk about the Dalen Everett commitment is that uh, you know, people I think are kind of wondering. Well, if Everett commits to Clemson, what does that mean for Jaden Lucas, a guy that's kind of in their backyard, another guy that's a borderline five star? I mean, extremely comparable in the same range as Dalen Everett um, in terms of you know what he is as a prospect. So when you when you think about that, do you think that? There is a chance that that could help Carolina and Lucas's commitment because uh, I've seen people that have said they believe that at this point, if they end up getting Everett, they would still take on uh, Clemson. Would uh, that's what I'm referencing here? Would still take on Jaden Lucas as well in this class? Yeah, I think that you know it's one of those situations in which if North Carolina is a factor in either recruitment going into the announcement, uh, it, it is a commitment that they would take for either guy, for both guys, for any combination of that. It's one of those situations, like we mentioned, of uh, you know talent that is too big to turn away. Um, I think that both guys fit that description. Now, Jane Lucas, I feel, is a little bit more uh, decided than um, than Dalen Everett is. I feel like Clemson has likely gotten a little bit more of that momentum and that recruitment. So, you know, is it realistic that there is a situation in which both are leaning towards North Carolina? I don't know if I'd say that as of now, but obviously a situation that we are watching uh, to see what happens there, to see what our options are in terms of that moving forward. But yeah, I think that if that was on the table, they definitely take that. As of right now, the main focus on is on Everett, and then you know whenever Jaden Lucas commits, it's sort of rumored he's looking towards the end of the month. Um, going into that commitment, I think you sort of have to look at the board almost entirely new, depending on where Everett goes, and then see sort of can if Everett commits to Clemson, can Carolina gain some momentum there with Everett? Uh, excuse me, with Lucas. And, you know, if they already have Everett in the class, if North Carolina does gain his commitment, where does the Lucas recruitment go from there? So really you just have to follow that timeline, see does anything change with Lucas's recruitment based on what Everett does, and if so, what? Yeah, I think there's a chance that it could happen because I do think that when you when you look at his recruitment so far, I mean, Dre Bly has, has been a factor there. That was one where I feel like a lot of people kind of had just written it off that he was going to be a, a Clemson commit after they gained a ton of early momentum with him. He was in their backyard. And, you know, then you saw Ohio State sort of creep up there. But Carolina, you know, they, they made themselves a factor there. And you, you could tell when he took an official visit to campus, there were some good things that came out of that as well. And, and I think that was when, if, if people were still a little bit hesitant, that may have been where people said, okay, Carolina may be a, a legitimate factor here, maybe even more than Ohio State. So if ever it was to commit to Clemson, I, I do think there is at least a chance that Dre Bly can turn up the heat enough to 
sort of get back into that race a little bit, make that at least a little bit interesting because, I mean, yeah, I, I understand that Clemson can stack talent because they're Clemson. I, I get that, believe me. But I do think that, especially with NIL, especially with the fact that there's a chance within the next couple of years that the playoff could expand. Some of these guys are looking at these opportunities and are saying, you know, I could be the number one guy here. Not saying that Jaden Lucas couldn't be the number one corner for Clemson at some point, but you could be a part of a class where you're going up against three of the best in the country where, I mean, if you come to Carolina, you'll still be going up against guys like Tony Grimes, Storm Duck, some really good prospects that are probably going to make it to the NFL level and probably be drafted within the first couple of days of the NFL draft as well. But you're also going to be a guy that is probably going to be one of the more valued players on the team, and you're going to be an integral part of a push for a team to try to make the college football playoff. So you wonder if that would be the pitch to him, and we'll see if that's what happens if ever it ends up committing. If there is sort of that change in his commitment and Carolina makes themselves a factor. Um, But you know, who knows? If if, if Carolina Carolina lands Everett. I think that sort of takes that almost fully out of commission. So this is going to be a huge commitment for so many different reasons on Saturday and is the one that I think most Tar Heel fans will be locked in. And we will as well over on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. We're going to have the commitment previews for you guys. We've been doing those, uh, you know, throughout the last uh, about year and a half now when it's come to these big time commitments. Just had one up the other day for you guys. Guys on Bryson Jennings, so make sure you guys, uh, you know, are, are, are keeping an eye out for the ones on Everett and Helms before their commitments. We got the breakdown of Bryson Jennings' commitment on the website. We go a little more in depth. Take a look. I wrote that article up, uh, you know, preparing for his commitment. So make sure you guys go and check that out. Learn a little bit more about the Tar Heels' most recent commit in the 2022 class, and then of course we'll have you covered on Saturday with commitment articles. Uh, you know, either way. Uh, I think we're going to write a commitment article when it comes to Everett's to sort of tell you if Carolina lands them, uh, what you're getting, if Carolina misses on them, where Carolina probably goes from that point uh, forward, not only at cornerback, but in terms of trying to land another headliner in the class. And, uh, you know, with Caden Helms, that's probably a little bit of a different situation. Uh, We'll probably have an article if he ends up committing to Carolina. If not, uh, probably won't write something up there, but there are some other big time guys to keep an eye on over uh, the next couple of weeks as well. Jake Pope still out there, uncommitted. Andre Green Jr., another guy that uh, Carolina has some high value on out of the state of Virginia, still uncommitted at this time. A couple other big name guys as well that Carolina is in the hunt for. Addison Nichols, a guy that Carolina actually has kind of jumped back into the recruitment for. Uh, He put them in his top three. Feels like he's nearing a commitment. All of those will be keeping you up to date on on those on the website. Got uh, a bunch of great stuff on there for the upcoming 2021 season. We have the uh, position previews for you guys. We've been doing a ton of those additions to the podcast, but we go a little more in depth in the articles for you guys, uh, breaking down each guy that is going to uh, have a chance to contribute at all of these position groups. So make sure you go read uh, about those and try to get a feel for uh, this uh, upcoming 2021 team that is 
is going to bring a ton of excitement into uh, this upcoming season. Got uh, as of right now, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, uh, tight ends going up on the website as well. That'll be up uh, probably sometime early tomorrow, and then uh, we'll have a bunch of stuff going up uh, to close out. You know, the offensive side of the ball. We'll have the offensive line, and then a bunch of stuff on the defensive side of the football as well on that. So make sure you're keeping an eye on on that. Basketball on the website. Uh, we've got the article on Jalen Washington, the five-star who committed to Carolina uh, at the power forward position. You've also got a guy that is uh, going to be a part of the team this year that committed as a transfer at that power forward position in Dawson Garcia. Uh, so read both those articles on the website. Josh has those written up for you. He's also going to be writing up some stuff uh, in terms of uh, some exciting stuff from the Roy Williams era. He'll be doing some top five lists, everything like that. We're also doing that on the podcast side of things on the four corners podcast so make sure you guys go and check all of that stuff out it's on the website tabs at the top for the podcast uh both of them up there right next to each other so make sure you head over there uh when it comes to the podcast uh, that you're listening to right now if you're a listener make sure that you uh go to wherever you listen to the podcast whether it's apple podcast google podcast spotify iHeartRadio, the odyssey app any of those and make sure that you uh, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so that uh, you can get all the latest editions right in your podcast library. You don't have to miss any of those editions. You definitely want to make sure that you do that so that you can keep tabs on everything that we're doing. We, uh, I actually just uh, filmed a great episode that will be coming up. We talked to Phil Steele, the writer of the College Football Bible today about the Tar Heels. You won't want to miss that. That's coming up. Uh, we're also going to continue our position previews and we'll have the Bold Predictions podcast. We'll have the uh, Breakout Players podcast. All that great stuff coming up. You won't want to miss any of that or the in-season stuff that we'll be doing. And if you're a watcher of the podcast, this one is not one that we're on camera, but uh, the ones that we're going to be doing, pretty much the ones I do with Josh going forward, we have our studio back, so we're doing those in person. We're going to be uh, you know, in-season. We'll be doing them in person as well, working on some other things potentially behind the scenes. Uh, that we will reveal to you guys at uh, you know a time down the road. So, uh, yeah, it, it's an exciting time for the Heel Tough Blog podcast. We had ventured into it a little bit before everything happened with COVID a year ago. Uh, we're going to venture back into some of that stuff this year and really start ramping it up for you as we uh, get ready for an extremely exciting season of Tar Heel football on all sides. So make sure you like and follow that Facebook page so you don't miss any of the great content that we have, whether it's the articles, video podcasts, or the audio editions of the podcast. That wraps up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Zach Hubbard for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always, go Torians.